All right, if you want to go to junior church, they are upstairs. All right, awesome. All right, cool. I'm just going to look at everybody for a minute. You guys good? I want you to turn your, turn your faith on because um, I have um, a faith message in my heart that is coming, it's going to come out. And, uh, you know, I sometimes hear people talk about word of faith, and uh, I was going to say that before we talked this morning too, but about word of faith and that. And uh, I personally like word of faith. I just think sometimes... Uh, some pastors and some leaders that have taught have have focused on the wrong thing or focused too much on the money side of stuff or whatever, uh, and that's only an opinion because I don't know their heart. If God told them to do that, like can you imagine, like Creflo Dollar, for his na- his name's Dollar. I mean, and for years God had him speak on money. Now on the outside looking in, that could make it look like that guy is a greedy, selfish, just in it for the money kind of a person. I don't know him personally, but what I've heard him teach, I like. And uh, But if God asked me to do that, I don't know if I'd have the guts to do it. i talk on it for money for a year. I can do a couple of Sundays, two, three or so. When it got down to two, three months, I don't know how many still be here. You know what I mean? Because we can get offended by the word sometimes when people deliver. But a few weeks ago, I started a message on the power of our words. And if you were here, you remember I had those little Velcro balls, and I was going to throw them at Aaron, and I just stuck them on Aaron's sweater. And it just, our words sometimes, our words have power. And sometimes things people say to us, they just stick to us. We don't uh, want them to. We don't know when they're going to happen, whether it's at school or it's your mother, your father, or it's a teacher or somebody. But they said something to you at the, right, at the wrong time, the wrong way, with the wrong tone of voice or the wrong scowl or something. And whatever they said, for whatever reason, it just stuck to you. Well, the reason why it stuck to you is because your words have power. Remember me sharing this from Proverbs 18.21 that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat the fruit of it. So you, what, you say, uh, what you say has a big impact on your life, okay? So we cannot just say a well, word of faith, and they, they make fun of it, say like blab it and grab it and name it and claim it. But those principles, not the perversions and the twisted versions of it and the, and the way people say it, but those principles are foundational teachings of Jesus, they're not just, they're not a Pentecostal doctrine. They're not a Baptist doctrine. It's the word of God. And we do not have the authority or right to change it. Jesus is the one who said, Mark eleven twenty three and 24, not Kenneth Hagin. All right? Jesus said, you can have what you say. Didn't he? And didn't Jesus say, according to your faith, will be done unto you? Jesus said that. So he's Lord. I'm not. I'm going to share it with you. And uh, it's up to you if you get offended by the word or if you receive it. Amen? But I'm telling you, if you speak and agree with what God's word says, your life will change. If you speak and agree with what the devil says, your life will change too. Or keep going in the same direction, depending on where you are in your life right now. But our words carry power. So many people don't know this, or they don't believe it, so they speak accordingly. They just speak whatever they feel like saying. Whatever they feel like, if they're angry, they'll speak angry words. If they're fearful, they'll speak fearful words. If they're annoyed, they'll speak harsh words. They just speak whatever they feel like. Just let it pour out of your mouth like it doesn't matter. Well, guess what? It does matter. And you're spewing life or death out of your mouth. Okay? So we cannot let our emotions dictate what we say. We have to let what we believe dictate what we say. Amen? But we've all done that. I know we have. I mean, at least I, I believe we've all done that. I know I have, where you're just like, oh, you're so frustrated, and the stuff comes out of your mouth after that is in faith. Why does this always happen? Or why does this never go right? Or why is this taking whatever? And you can say that. And that's out of the abundance of your heart, whether you like it or not, is speaking. And it says, do not deny it. Don't hide it. Acknowledge it and let God deal with it. Amen? 
But we all have room to improve in this. But when we let our emotions dictate how and what we say, this is not wise. It's not wise. In Matthew 12, 36, it says, But I say to you that as every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. Every idle or careless word you speak, we have to give an account for. Now, that is scary. Amen. Now, praise God for grace and forgiveness. But I don't want to just live over here in grace and forgiveness thinking I'm just going to keep speaking like a heathen, speaking like a lost person, speaking like someone who doesn't know Christ is in me, speaking like a foolish man, speaking like a doubt and unbelief man when God himself lives inside of me. and He wants me to speak a certain way. Amen. There is grace to forgive that. But his grace empowers you to live a certain way, to speak a certain way, to believe a certain way. Amen. 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 So remember we talked about, we mentioned the 12 spies, how they were sent out. Moses sent them out for 40 days to investigate the land of Cana. And 10 came back with a fearful, and the Bible says evil report. It was fearful, it was evil, because they spoke what they saw, what they heard, what they felt. They spoke their feelings, their emotions. They spoke out that fear. They spoke out, I'm terrified. Those giants are there. They have fortified walls. They have massive stuff. They're going to kill us. They're going to destroy us. We're like grasshoppers. They're going to absolutely annihilate us. And they're speaking out of their emotions. Now, that, was that a lie? In the natural, it wasn't a lie because they believed it. From their perspective, the giants were big and God was tiny. The giants were big and they were tiny. From their perspective, they were speaking the truth, but from God's perspective, it was evil. And sometimes when we're speaking our perspective of how we view the world, or how we view life, how we view our country, how we view ourselves, how we view our neighbor, how we view faith or love or whatever, sometimes we are speaking evil reports and not speaking the word of the Lord. Amen. I'm not saying this as a way of judgment. I'm saying this as a way of just fact. I'm telling you, we will see a lot more accomplished when we speak the word of God than we will speak our emotions. Woe is me. Why does this always happen to me? Well, change what you say. Change what you believe. Change how you talk, and you'll see your life change. You know, if it isn't, then God is a liar. Come on, can I, are you okay? Either God's word is true or it's not. We can't just go to church and be like church pews and just be here. Amen? We got to be the church. In order to be the church, we've got to speak the word of God and believe God's word, whether it's offensive or not. I'm not talking about hate speech. I'm talking about love of God's speech. Amen? So um, God called the things they were reporting, they reported what they saw, what they heard, what they felt. And God called that report evil. And I'm saying we can do that too. So it's possible that when we speak our perspective, we can be speaking the wrong thing. It can be logical. It was logical for Job's friends to think that Job was cursed. He might as well curse God and die. He lost everything but his wife. He lost everything. Something I hope has never happened to anybody else. That was a horrible, horrible situation. And though any friend would assume, well, God must be mad at that guy. Oh, my gosh. In the same day? Like, oh, he must have sinned. You know that guy. He can say all he wants to. I know he sinned. And that's what they're all saying. For almost 40 chapters, they're just like saying this. And guess what? God's perspective, that wasn't the case. We don't always know, and sometimes we get, let our opinions speak out things that aren't facts. And you know, the best thing to do is just shut our mouths or hear from God. And what God, what do you want me to say? It's not just, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. If you can't say anything in faith, you should keep your mouth shut, because if you want to have what you say, you better watch what you're saying. Are you okay? I'm telling you, Jesus said this. 
And it was a word to empower you, not to belittle you or confine you. Amen? So it's important for us to know the report of the Lord so we can speak out what he is saying. Okay? It's not going to help us speak out what the devil's saying. It's not going to help us speak out what this politician or whoever else we're hearing, because you know what we're going to believe is what we hear the most. So if you're hearing the news the most, that's what you're going to say. And if that's what you're going to say, that's what you're going to believe. Whether it's a pastor, a teacher, uh, whoever it is, what you hear the most is what you're going to believe. That's what's going to get rooted in your heart, and that's what's going to come out of your mouth. So we need to hear what God's saying. Amen? Amen. Amen. Matthew 7, verse 24 through 27. It says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. You know, we've all uh, experienced some storms in life, and we've actually had some pretty good floods here, even in Plumtree. I'll show you that picture if you have that ready for me. This picture of our church is from 1940, and uh, I'll get it for you in just a minute. But in 1940, we had a pretty good storm here, pretty good flood. You can see the water is up to the edge of the church there. And um, in that flood, 75 homes, 14 homes were, to- were destroyed, 75 heavily damaged, 250 families in Avery were left virtually destitute. One church was moved off its foundations from one side of the road to the other side of the road. In Plumtree, a gas station, a warehouse, and, and a home was destroyed. I'm not sure where the gas station was. Was it over there? Did anyone know? Lucy, you know? So, um, and then it says, overall, there was more than $2 million of damage in Avery County. Now, $2 million in 1940, that would be a, a little bit more today, wouldn't it? So uh, it was a really bad flood. In 2004, we had a pretty good flood here, and it was it flooded up. I remember down at uh, Avery's place, uh, Little Waitstill and Linda's place, was, uh, they were afraid about, it was going to lose it. The flood was all the way up over the banks and out on the wall, over the, over the banks and up to the house. But uh, that little cabin across the road, he had been here for a long time. And uh, that, that cabin hasn't moved. It has been settled. They've had water over the banks, all the way up to the steps, all the way around it, flooded up to it. But that house is built on a rock. That little cabin's on a solid rock, and that thing hasn't moved. It's gone through the test of time, through many more floods than we know about. But God's word is like that. We build our house on the rock. Our house won't move. Our house won't move. The floods of life are going to come. You're going to have a flood. You're going to have rain. You're going to have storms. Trials and tribulations are going to come. At some point in your life, something's going to go not quite the way you hoped. And how you build that house on the inside of you is going to affect what happens on the outside of you. It's going to affect if the house is going to stand a storm or it's going to be washed down the river with a storm. It's going to matter if it's going to crash in the storm or stand firm and have peace and stability in the middle of the storm because you know that your rock won't move because it's founded on Christ. How you build your house is a matter. How you build the foundation of your house matters. Like from the outside, those houses both look good. They, they both were well-built. People looked at it like, wow, those are pretty houses. The foundations both look good, but it mattered where the foundation was built. 
One was built on sinking, shifting sand that's going to move with every wind or wave or every new doctrine or teaching, or every new trial or tribulation, they're going to shift and it's going to move. And one is set in place on the foundation of Christ and will not move. And that house can handle the storms of life. Amen. You know, in 2000, I don't remember what it was now, 10 maybe, we had, a, it wasn't a, a bad flood, we had some pretty good rain, I think it was that year, somewhere around there. And... Um, they, you know, when, even when they have hurricanes, when they know about it. At least they have a chance to board up the windows and they, or get out of town or put sandbags out and do some things. But here in the mountains, we usually don't, we hear that. We don't usually get much happening here compared to at the coast. But this one time, we had a lot of rain. And it just kept coming and coming. And at the back of our house, it was coming up towards the back of the door in the basement there. And Holly's like, we got to go out there and dig a trench. Like, you want to go out there in this storm and dig? She was like, do you want the basement flooded? Like, all right, let's go. So we went out there with our shovels and we're out there. After a while, we started having fun because we were totally drenched anyway. We started flicking mud on each other and stuff and just scooping this trail. And uh, we dug this trail and, and the water didn't come in. You know, that's one thing to prevent a flood, but it would have been better if I knew that flood was coming. I could have done that when it was dry. I could have done that in the sunshine. I could have just done that on my own, just a little bit, dig a little bit, and take my time, and not get soaked and wet. In your life, it's a lot easier to prepare for the storm before the storm comes than when you're in the middle of it. In life, I mean, you don't know when the day of evil is going to come. The Bible talks about that day of evil, right? You don't know that day, but you need to build your house on the foundation of Christ when it's not the day of evil. So when the day of evil comes, the floods and storms come, you are prepared and your house won't move. Amen. Because our house can move. It can be shifted. You see things going on around you like, oh my gosh. Like, you're just like, what's going to happen? How, how is this going to work out? How can I pay for this? How can this happen? And you know what? You don't have the answer sometimes. But when you have your house, your foundation built on the rock of Christ, your house doesn't have to move. And you don't have to know. You don't have to know. You just have to know the faithfulness of God. Amen. That God's going to turn all, work out all things for the good of those who love him. Those who are called according to his purpose. And that's you. He's going to turn it around for your good. But you can't go around speaking death, doom, and gloom, and woe is me out of your mouth and expect God to turn around for your good. You're hindering the hands of God with your own mouth. You say, can you really hinder God? Yeah, you do. And you can. The Bible talks about how they hindered the Holy One of Israel because their words. They te you tested me these ten times, and they said they hindered the Holy One of Israel. And by your words, we are acquitted. By our words, we're condemned. And they hind we can hinder and not help the Holy One of Israel, God. Imagine what Daniel, what, what happened to Daniel on his 21-day fast, if he was just like grumbling the whole time. Gosh, I'm hungry. Man, I, I, want I want some meat. I want some wine. I want some juice. I want some. I want to just eat this what, Daniel fast stuff all the time. Oh, I hate this. I can't stand it. Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. I fast two hours. I'm going to die. 21 days he held fast the confession of his faith. 21 days he stuck to his commitment that he made for God. God didn't tell him to do that. He made a commitment for God. I'm, gonna, I'm going to fast until I get the answer to the question that I have for you, God. He wasn't sick. He didn't have a health issue. He didn't have a financial crisis. He wanted an answer from God. And he wanted it so bad, he was willing to fast and pray for 21 days until he got it. And he didn't change his confession. He didn't change what he said because it took so long. He didn't change his perspective and say something different because he didn't understand the war that was going on in the heavenlies that the angel came and told him about later. Guys, we can't always see what God's doing, but you can look back and see what he's done. If you can see what he's done, you can see what he's going to do. It's the power of the testimony. 
Uh, it's, it's the power to God. Do it again. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. Amen? And we have to agree with what God's saying. Even when we can't see it. Even when we can't feel it. Even when we can't experience it. Those guys must have been really terrified, all ten of them, that they wanted to kill Joshua and Caleb and his whole family because they were preaching faith. When a time when they didn't want to have faith. We want to stay right here. It's safe. We'd rather be with these snakes. We'd rather be with these scorpions. We'd rather be in this heat. We'd rather, we'd rather go back to Egypt and eat, that, eat their stuff. We'd rather cross the Dead Sea. We'd rather be slaves than fight these things. And fear has a way of perverting things and making things bigger than they really are and not factoring in the God equation of we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. They might not have the strength that day. They don't need it that day. They need it on the day of evil. They need it on the day of war. They need it on the day of battle when it's time to fight the giant. That's when they need the actual physical strength. But in the meantime, they've got to hold fast the confession of their faith so that they're ready for that day of evil and not speak for, for the ten, like the ten spies did for 40 days and then after. We can't do it. We can't do it. We're too weak. We're too this. We're too that. And guess what? You're going to have what you say. And God himself said, for every day you investigated that land, you're going to walk and wander the desert for a year. So 40 years because of what they said. I'm going to do to you the very things I heard you say. Now, isn't that the same teaching that Jesus has in the New Testament? According to your faith, be it done unto you. You can have what you say. I think it is, but I think sometimes we've heard so much on the sovereignty of God. And God is sovereign, guys. There is none higher. There is no higher. He is God. No one created him. He's the beginning all and the end all of life and everything. But God has given you, us, dominion on the earth, us, power on the earth. His word is forever settled in heaven. We have to settle his word here on earth and in our hearts. He, his word is settled. It's established forever in heaven. But it's our job to settle and establish his word here on earth. And it's going to start with establishing it in our own hearts. Amen. If we can't believe when the times are good, how are we going to believe when the times are tough? When the time of the giants come out, the time of the fight and the war, whatever happens. We have to build that house, that foundation on the rock of Christ now or your house will crash in the storm. I don't want your house to crash. I don't want my house to crash. So we have to do the things God asks us to do and speak and confess and believe what God says. Amen. This is the process of faith. So it's very important that we are not just hearers of the word, but actually doers of the word. Because the hearers were the ones that they heard it but didn't do it. They're likened to the fools that built their house on the sand. Now, no one, none of you guys, even a young child would probably, well, maybe they would, I don't know. But most people would know you don't build a house on sand because it's going to move, right? And he says, if you hear my word and you don't do it, you're likened to a fool who builds his house on sand. Now, God doesn't like us calling people fools, but uh, the Bible talks about that too. But here he said, if we do that, we're a fool. Let me show you a few other verses to talk about a fool. Psalm 14.1 says, The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They didn't even say it out loud. They just said it in their heart. You see that? They didn't say it out loud. What you say in your heart matters too. Come on, somebody. Like, You're making this too hard. I'm just telling you what the Word says. Okay? We need an overhaul. Amen? with the Word of God and what God says, and not just speaking out everything we feel, think, or see, because it makes somebody laugh, or it's good for entertainment, or we tell this story this way, or we exaggerate the truth on this just to make somebody laugh. we got to know what we say matters. 
We're, we're going to be accountable for every word we say, so we need to be saying the right stuff. Amen? But a fool says in his heart, not even out of his mouth, there is no God. Proverbs 7, 18, 7 says, A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. Now, uh, you look at their life, it's like, well, that guy just has it rough. You know, he was just born on the wrong side of the tracks. He, he just never had a chance to succeed in life. Just nothing ever went well for him. And they say that's why he talks like that. Well, I think his life looks like that because that's how he talks. Now, I'm not talking about his early life because he had no control over that. But later on in life, he says, A fool's mouth is his own destruction, and his lips are a snare for his soul. Not his parents, not his grandparents. Uh, are you okay? I'm just, I just, honestly, I just want us to take personal responsibility for our own house. Amen? And not keep judging the other man's house, the few little pig's house, and, you know, the one made of straw and brick and whatever. You know, but what, what is our house made of? Uh, Proverbs 29, 20. Do you, do you see a man hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Now, we already see how God, there's, there's probably a hundred verses or more talking about fools in the Bible, mostly in Psalms and Proverbs, but other places too, Ecclesiastes and other places. But a man who's hasty with his words is worse than a fool. Worse than a fool. Now, when God himself, guys, is calling us a fool, when we're just speaking out whatever we feel, whatever we see, whatever we sense, whatever our emotions, is, feels good, do it, say it, whatever, guys, that whole teaching comes from hell. That whole feels good, do it. If it makes you well, if it makes you happy, well, how's it going to be in a few years? Are you going to be happy then? How's it going to be later in life? I'm telling you, we ha- we can't be hasty with our words. Pick them, choose them, say them on purpose. Let our words honor God. Amen. Amen. A fool's mouth it says is his destruction. His lips are a snare for his soul, and a man who is hasty in his words is worse than a fool. Guys, what we say matters, amen? It matters to God, and he's going to listen. He's going to take account of every idle, careless word we say. I think it's to our best, better judgment to try to be selective in what we say, careful what we say. I don't have any of you guys in mind. I'm preaching this to me, too, okay? It's his word, not my word. I'm, 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 I'm convicted by this. I'm challenged by this. I'm growing in this. I'm listening to myself say stuff. I, I think of an example even a few years ago. John and I were out hunting. And uh, my gun, I, I dropped my gun or something. I got my scope all messed up. And it was all, it wasn't, it wasn't, aim, it wasn't hitting where I was aiming. The scope was just off. And uh, I, was, I missed a few deer, and I was getting mad. And I was just like, man, let me use your gun. This, and it just, I would just started saying stuff like, why does this happen to me kind of stuff. I can't remember my exact wording or something. And John's like, hey, now, don't talk like that. I'm like, man, I really appreciate that. You feel a little embarrassed at first, like, hey, I'm supposed to be the pastor. What am I doing saying stuff like that? But, you know, you, you notice there's certain areas in our life that we get bonded to. And it just these words come out of our mouth towards our children. Or words come out of our mouth towards our boss or towards this situation or a health situation or a financial situation because that's what you heard your parents say or that's what you personally experienced. But, guys, we have to let the words of our mouth, the meditation of our heart, be acceptable to him, not acceptable to our neighbors or whoever that's... We're trying to impress or entertain or whatever. You okay? Amen. I want to go, go further with this, personally. I want to watch what I say. I want to see how my life will shift and change as I agree with what God says and speak his word. And not live in fear and just speak whatever I feel like. 
Everyone feels fear sometimes. Everyone feels anger or frustration. That's the flesh. But it's the spirit that gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. And when we partner with the spirit, we can speak the things of the spirit and see things shift in our lives. We partner with the power of God. Amen? We can't afford to just speak anything out of our mouth that we just think or feel. We need to be more concerned about speaking things from God's perspective and not our own because his ways are higher. Amen? Um, and when we are speaking things from an earthly, worldly perspective and not God's perspective, we are acting like fools and building our spiritual houses on sand. Let me say that again. When we are speaking things from an earthly perspective, a worldly perspective, what we see, feel, think, sense, whatever, and not from God's perspective, we are acting like fools and building our spiritual houses on sand. Amen. All right? So you might say, well, how, Pastor, how should we speak? Well, I'm glad you said that. Let's look at Romans 10. I want to show you how the people of faith, the people of God, are supposed to speak. Amen? Romans 10, 5 and 6. It starts out, For Moses writes about the righteousness which is, a, which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. I'm going to stop right there. But the righteousness of faith speaks this way. There's a certain way the righteousness of faith speak. Okay, and it's not why this and why that. Okay, before I go into that, I want to just share. Paul was addressing two groups of people here. He was speaking to those who believe they are righteous by obeying the law, and those who believe they're righteous by faith. Those who believe they're righteous by obeying the law, they live a certain way, and they they. Uh, but we know from other scriptures that the Bible says no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by observing the law. Doesn't matter if you're Jew, Gentile. Slave free, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight. You might appear righteous in someone else's sight, but not in God's sight. Amen? In Galatians 3.10 says, All who rely on observing the law are under a curse. For it is written, Curses everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So those that have their faith and confidence in obeying the law, they just take out like 613 laws. They just take out a few hundred, several hundred of them. So they think they can manage it and do it. But in reality, they're still under the curse because their faith is in their own works and not in the power of God for their salvation. Amen. So the second type mentioned uh, is, the second type mentioned we can see in Philippians 3.9 is the right, people that believe they're righteous by faith. In Philippians 3.9 says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Our faith that, is, that God promotes, that's not being established by ourselves. The faith that God promotes is faith in God, faith in what Jesus did for you, not faith in what we can do for Him. Amen. Amen. And if we rely on what we can do for Him, and that for your salvation as a means to an end, you're under a curse. Amen. Amen. Would you rather know the truth and just go through life and just wonder, like, why does my life look like this? Well, maybe your face not in Jesus. Maybe your face in your Sunday school attendance or your church attendance or choir practice or anything else. Our faith has to be rested in what Jesus did for you, amen? Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Our righteousness, self-righteous, like a filthy rag, but his righteousness is the righteousness of God. And that's the righteousness you've received as a gift. It talks about in Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Okay? Yes. So these are the two groups Paul's talking to here. 
And it says, the righteous of faith speak a certain way. And then he goes on to show two ways that they don't speak first. The first one is, verse 6 says, they do not say in their heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above. In verse 7, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. These people are praying and they're needing help. And they're saying, people of faith are righteous by faith, they don't speak like this. They don't think like this. They don't speak like this because they don't have to have God come down from heaven to help them. They don't have to have God come up from the grave or from the abyss to help them. He's already been resurrected from the dead. And now he lives on the inside of you. And as long as you feel like he's far away, like way up there or way down there and not right in here, you're going to speak the wrong kind of things because you're going to feel he's far away. They said, no, the word is not far away. It's near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That's the word of faith that we speak, which is the next verse. Um, so they don't talk that way of, is God going to help me? Is God far away? Do we have to call him down or call him up? They don't talk that way because they don't believe that way. So although he is seated at the right hand of the Father, he is at the same time simultaneously living and breathing on the inside of us. And when we believe that, not just agree with it in a theory, but we really believe it on the inside of our heart, our lives are going to change. Think of a situation in your life that you can go through and you have Jesus right inside of you. Are you going to be afraid? What are you going to do with this one, big guy? What do you think about this? What's going to happen here? What do you want to do here? What do you want me to say? Christ is on the inside of us. He's not way down there or way up here. It's in us, amen? Amen. So verse 8 says, this is how the righteous should speak. They speak this way, verse 8. What does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Notice this progression in verse 8. First, the word is near you. That's the word that we hear. We hear it again and again and again. Faith comes by hearing. We hear it. Second, the word is in your mouth. That's the word you profess or confess. And third, the word is in your heart. That's the word we actually believe. We all have inherited from our life doubt and unbelief. And if your doubt and unbelief is greater than your faith, it tips the scales the wrong way. So you have to hear the word, and you have to speak the word, and it fills your heart with the word until it tips it the right way. It's not that you don't have faith. All you have faith. We've all been given the measure of faith, but you still, all of us still have doubt and unbelief. And the doubt and unbelief is tipping the scales sometimes the wrong way for us. And how we change it is change what we hear and change what we say till our heart overflows with the word of God and our first response is what God said and not what we feel, think, see, or what anything else. Are you here? Amen. Are you convicted or are you excited? Because I'm excited. Uh, you can be convicted. I do not feel condemned though. But I'm excited because there is power in our words. Amen. If we change what we hear, we change what we say, we're going to change what we see. Amen. We will change it. So there's a progression to establishing our healthy faith. There's a progression. We have been given it, but we need to tend to it for it to grow, just like a garden. A garden left to itself looks like mine. garden looks like, like Pat's, looks pretty good. So the progression of our faith is you have to be around the Word. You have to hear it. Not just the radio, not just some guy telling jokes on uh, 106.9 or 10 whatever channels you like or let's do. 
uh, I don't know if they do jokes on there or whatever they tell, but um, whatever you hear, what do you hear in the news for 15 hours? Then you read one verse a day. And what do you think is going to come out of your mouth when pressure comes? Your foundation is built on that sand. The government changes all the time. The, the, the leaders, the politicians lead, the rules, the laws change. God won't change. So why do we spend so much time listening to these fools? Okay, foolish talk. I'm not calling them a fool. The foolishness of, of man is a oh, man. Okay, I meant that good. I'm not talking about the Democrats. I'm talking about any, anything that's contrary to God is foolish. My words are foolish when I speak my opinion when it's not God's. Your words, my words, we looked at the foolish stuff. It's not speaking from the perspective of heaven. Okay? Now, some Democrats fall in that position, but so did Republicans, and so do anybody else in any country. So, the progression of faith is first that nerd is near you. Then it has to go into your mouth. You can be in church all your life, have the word near you, have it near you and near you and near you, but until it comes out of your mouth, it's going to do you very little good. You're not even going to believe you're forgiven. And if you can't believe you're forgiven, how are you going to expect, how are you going to believe God for healing or anything else? You can't even believe you're forgiven. That's the basis, bottom level line where you start in Christianity is believe you're saved. But if you hear, you can't ever know, and God only knows, no one knows, that is a lie. You, the word says you may know you are saved. You may know you have eternal life. You may know. It's not supposed to be a mystery. It's Christ in you. It's the hope of glory. You know you're saved. So you guys probably heard of uh, Lou Engel, and Lou Engel, uh, when he, by the time he was 22, let me tell you a little bit, in case you don't know him, he's started the cause and the call, has a prayer and fasting movement, raising up young people around the world, believes he's been fasting, contending for abortion to end in this country for a long time, and other good things he's praying for. Marshall and our church went to Orlando, to, uh, took youth there to an event. But when he was, before he was the age of 22, he had asked Jesus to come in his heart like several times. He, every time he went to the, he'd go to the altar and ask God, he'd be afraid and go to the altar. I did that. I remember telling a Baptist once I got saved a hundred times, and she tried to correct me, and I had no clue what she was talking about. I had no clue. I, had no, I thought, like, well, she's crazy. But uh, she was not crazy. Uh, I didn't understand the word. But uh, here, uh, Lou Engel, by the time he, up to 22, he had, he had gone to the altar over and over and over again and still doubted he was saved until one day someone came and said, you know what you need to do? You need to put the word in your mouth. The word's near you, but you now you need to put it in your mouth. And you started confessing what the word says in Romans, the next few verses, Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto the righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You can know that you're saved. You can know that you know that you know, but it has to come out of your mouth to wash and flood out that, that doubt and unbelief. So he started doing that, confessing the word, confessing the word. And he did it every day. And after 13 days, he's never doubted it again since. He filled up his faith tank in that area, that certain area. Now he's still going to have to fill it up in another area, and in this area, when health and sickness try to come against him or something, he's still going to fill it up there too. But faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. It has to get near you, then in your mouth, then into your heart. There is no other way for it to get there. You can hear me say it all day. You can hear people on TV, radio say it all day. But it has to come out of your mouth. Amen. You hear, you speak, and then you believe. You say, come on, Pastor, I do believe. Yeah, I believe you do. But I believe we all, all of us in here still have doubt and unbelief. Okay? That's not a judgment. That's just a fact. Let you go through the storm of life. Let the winds and waves start beating at your house. Let me hear what you say. Okay? I'm looking in the mirror. I'm not looking at you. I'm looking in the mirror. Okay? 
But I think, I believe, that we can get to a place where we really trust God. Like Marsh was talking about when we were worshiping. We're not just singing the songs, but we really trust God. Our house is really built on that foundation. Our worship can really come out and praise and, and, and glorify God because we know that we know that we know who we are in Christ and we know that we will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, not in the sweet by and by, not when we all die and then go to heaven. Life isn't supposed to just stink on earth and then we get to heaven. That is not the gospel. But it can be your gospel if that's what you say. Oh man, are you all right? I'm just saying, I don't want you, I don't want you to experience those things. I don't want your house to crash in a storm. But every one of us is accountable for our words to God, for what we say. And if you're saying something that doesn't line up with God's word, we need to change it. We need each other to not do it in condemnation or guilt trips or like, you hear what they said? That's not going to help anybody, amen? We still need to be gracious to each other. I'm going to say things sometimes that I don't want to say. And then Holly and the kids and somebody's going to say something to me like, you're right. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to write it down and ask God, why did that come out of my mouth so easily? Without thinking, without praying, without... We can't have this separation from church and state mentality where we speak a certain way in church, but out here and we're out here, we can just say whatever we want to and God's not listening. That is bogus. Amen. That's not true Christianity, amen? That's not real. That's being phony. That's being fake. I want to be real and authentic. Let me show you these few more verses. Verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You hear it, confess it, believe it. You see it right there too. Verse 8 and 9. So the righteous shall live by faith. Therefore, the righteous need to speak out faith in what they believe because your confession establishes faith in our hearts. Just like building the bricks and putting the foundation in on the solid rock, line upon line, precept upon precept, cinder block upon cinder block, building this foundation on the word of God. And as we confess what he said, our faith will be established. Amen. And we don't want to wait until the storm comes to do that. We want to come when it's a good day, when it's an easier day. Amen? Let me, uh, I'm going to skip cut a little bit here and go to the end. Verse 16 and 17. It says, But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Verse 16 said, many people heard the word, many people heard it, but they didn't believe it. Because they didn't believe it, they didn't obey it. And verse 17 says, but the fact still remains. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. And the more you hear it, the more you hear it, the more you say it, it gets rooted and grounded in you. And then when you lay your hands on the sick, you expect them to recover. When you lay your hands on the sick, whether it's your children or it's a stranger, you lay your hands on somebody. You expect it to happen. When you're going through a difficult situation, you expect to see God move on your behalf without even just even praying about it. You just know, like, hmm, that's interesting. You ever been around Andrew? Like, like not, I mean, some of you guys have been with, with Andrew Womack. And uh, you definitely watch what you say when you're around Andrew, don't you? Because he'll, if he doesn't correct you, he'll give you this, like, hmm, this kind of look. I remember one time I said to him... Uh, he was, he was, we were leaving the bookstore, and uh, anyway, I said to him, all right, uh, he's driving to John City, he said, all right, be careful, and he just looks at me and goes, hmm, 
He didn't say that. I wonder what that was about. What did I say wrong this time? I was like, what did I say? So I'm listening to him preach on TV one day, and uh, I know he wasn't talking about me, praise God, because it was an old episode. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> maybe he did later. But, but he said, uh, he, was, he says, be careful for nothing. So under his breath, every time he hears someone say, be careful, he always say, for nothing. He's quoting the word. Now, that might be extreme to you, but I'm telling you, I'd rather be extreme in this way than be extreme with the pollution of vulgar, crudeness, rudeness, coarse joking, perversion, and just say, oh, there's grace, there's grace. There is grace, but why live like that? Why stay there when God has empowered us to live over here where there's life and victory and joy in the Holy Spirit? Amen? Yeah. Amen. So um, Luke 8, 18 says, therefore, take heed how you hear. Jesus said that. Not just what you hear, but how you hear it. Because what we hear the most is what we're going to say, what we're going to believe. Amen? Amen. Um, I'm, I, I hope you feel challenged. I feel challenged. Because I want, we need to be praying, not just speaking, but listening. Asking God, what's your on this? What's your perspective? What do you want me to say about my neighbor? What do you want me to say about this, this person? What do you want to say about what they did to me or said about me? What do you want me to say? And, and go to God and hear his perspective, and it will probably be different than yours. Do you know that? <laughs> Do you know that? Yeah, it will. Um, it will. I remember when Holly and I were first married, and uh, I was used to things being done a certain way. My mother had food on the table at 5 o'clock. Dad came in the door. It was hot, still steaming on the table. So I came home, and I just, in my mind, I was expecting the same thing. And uh, it didn't happen like that. And uh, she was still in school. And she was, had a lot of studies. She was a full-time student. And so I came home from work. And I'm like, where's supper? She goes, in the fridge. I'm like, in the fridge? What's, what's it doing there? I was working all day. You should be ready, you know, because that was my experience. And so I remember one day I was praying, asking God to change my wife. It's just hilarious now. But, um, <laughs> but I was 23. So anyway, I was praying, God, please change my wife. What, what is she, why is she doing that? And he's like, uh, he goes, Ryan, I don't want to change your wife. I want to change you. Like, me? What's wrong with me? <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> but what, my point is to that story is that our perspective, how we see things, isn't always the same perspective as God. And as we pray and ask him for his perspective, we can get into agreement with what he's saying, agreement with what he wants to pray, he wants to say, and his words are already established in heaven. We can help establish them here on this earth and see things change. You know, for us to do the things that God's prophesied over this church to do, we're going to have to speak a certain way. We're going to have to say certain things and not say certain things. We just can't say, oh, that's never going to happen or this is never going to happen because we're going to, we're going to abort the, the commission or the mission that God's trying to give us by the power of our own words because life and death's in our words. So why kill it when we can speak life and bless it? Amen? Don't speak it over your dreams and visions either. What God said over your, don't speak death over it just because you don't have the mental ability to vision and see it yet or understand how God's going to do all these steps. You don't need to know. You just need to know God said it. That's the thing you need to know, because if you know God said it, then you know that you know that you know it will come to pass. Amen? Yes. Amen. Elders, you guys will come. We're going to take communion together. And I want you to remember as we take this, the covenant that God made with the Father, the covenant Jesus made with the Father for your and I, for you and I, for our benefit. And this is a covenant. He's not going to shift. He's not going to change. He's not going to change his mind. He's not going to speak something different. He's not a man that he should lie. He's not a man that he should uh, 
speak and then not act, or promise and not fulfill. He is a man, he is, a man, he is God who is of his word. He watches over his word to carry it out to completion. Every word that he said, he holds himself accountable for. Right? And that's why he wants us to watch out what we say too. Amen? So guys, I encourage you, harness your emotions. If you're emotional, you get emotional, you get stirred up because somebody did or said something, take a minute. Go to your room. Get alone. Pray. Get a, get a second. Or don't say anything. But don't just let that whatever come out of your mouth because you don't want those things you're saying in that moment. So if you don't want them, we need to stop saying them. Amen? Amen. God, I thank you for your word. It is challenging. It is challenging. But God, we want to speak like you. We want to love like you. We want to honor you with our faith, with our hearts. We want to honor you through what we say and what we don't say. What we watch or the music we listen to or with our whole life, not just compartmentalized portions of our life, but all of our life. And God, I just pray that you would help us to get your kingdom perspective of how we speak, how we think and act and love. God, I thank you for these elements behind us, these symbols of your covenant of grace, your broken body, your blood that was poured out for us. I thank you, God, that we are forgiven. We are saved by grace through faith. And if anyone here is having trouble believing that, you just need to speak that word out of your mouth until you do, just like Lou Engle. And you can believe it and have assurance of your salvation. You can have assurance of your healing. You can have assurance of God's provision. You can have assurance of God's deliverance. You can have assurance that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He's as close as a mention of his name. God, I think even we don't feel it, you are right here. So God, again, we thank you for this. We thank you for your provision. In Jesus' name, amen.